0: Welcome everyone to on Death a podcast where we explore the oftentimes taboo topic of death we give people a place to come and listen to others around their experience with death and dying and to encourage and support a healthy relationship with death this is an outlet for healing empowerment and growth my name is Tom and my co-host is Matthew here he's going to introduce our guest for the for the day take it away Matt
1: Thanks Tom. Uh, I'm super excited today to have Bob Dotto on the podcast, an old friend, uh, former New Jersey punk, hardcore activist, uh, a beautiful man that I've gotten to know over the years and most recently, even in this COVID period, I've gotten to have dialogue back and forth online and it's always been um, a lot of fun. Bob is an author. He's written a couple of books, uh, acupressure, uh, some stretching books. Most recently, he's written Sitting with Spirits, which we'll talk a a bit about today. Uh, Bob is a teacher. He has his own yoga studio. Uh, Bob is a speaker. He has his own YouTube channel, uh, potentially podcast. He's written zines. He's done pretty much everything. Uh, And I... And I don't say this to sort of inflate Bob, but if it does inflate him, then then great. But right? it's always uh, a joy to to see what he's working on. And I know I sort of sucked him away from his work a little bit yesterday, but <laughs> today we get to to come on and 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 talk to you all. So Bob, thanks, man, for being here.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um... I feel like you could be describing yourself as well there as you're as you're introducing <laughs> me. We have so many overlapping interests and paths and histories and stuff. Um, so yeah, so thank you.
1: Yeah. Um, man, I, I wish I was as active as you in some ways <laughs> like to be able to to write and in a voice, and I was talking to Tom before you came on, uh, just like reading reading your book even like the the opening, which I was just kind of going through a little bit again, it's a a real pleasure to read someone's writing that has a unique voice and you could hear their voice um, Mm. in writing. And I guess while we're there, we can talk a little bit about maybe what prompted you to to write Sitting with Spirits. And uh, maybe if you can take us through that first Section of the book where where you were mm-hmm. in in that in that place. Um, I'd sure. love to hear that from from you.
2: Yeah. Well, the book started um, a few years ago. I had written a couple chapters, parts of chapters, kind of, and it was outlining some other stuff. It was is actually part of a larger. It was supposed to be a part of a larger book. Um, and this was supposed to be just one section of it. It's going to be broken up into three parts. Um, But, uh, and I was kind of like stalling out and really plateauing on it. And um, just, you know, I had these two chapters, but I didn't know what else to do with them really. And then COVID happened um, and I was home as most people were, it seemed. And, you know, honestly, I needed something to take my mind off it really, you know, I I just needed like to work. Um, My girlfriend who was bi-coastal had come to visit for like 10 days uh, on like March 10th. And then the, the quarantine happened. So she was sort of quarantined here, um, which was great, but she works. She has a real job and, uh, you know, she was working. And I was like, well, I got to work too, you know? I can't just like watch YouTube all day during the, during the quarantine. So I just kind of went deep into the work. I said, I, I was just like, I'm just going to finish this. I, I like, you know, it, with writing everyone has their own relationship to writing, but for me, I need to give myself like a timeline because that way I'll, it, it becomes less precious. I just got to get material down, you know? So I just started writing my ass off and, um, and I was going to send it around and, and make again, make it into this larger work, but I was just like, screw it. Let's just put stuff out. You know, like you said, I, I do a lot of projects and for people who do a lot of projects, one of the, one of the cons of that is that you can get bogged down with just doing lots of projects but never actually either completing them or releasing them so i was like that's not going to be that's not my journey this time i'm releasing stuff so i was like i don't care how short it is how long it is i'm putting it out i got to get it off this desktop and just make room so that was kind of like the catalyst behind just getting it out because i wrote it in like two months at that point <laughs> You know, mm. it was like real fast but originally, you know, the work, the material is is part of a larger scope of interest, you know, and practice of spirits and sort of this idea of reclaiming the margins of Christianity and Catholicism. And it, it falls into that whole that whole project, you know. Um, so I had been doing more formal work with a community, more formal what's called spirit work or um, yeah, that works. Spirit work, uh, and uh, it just sort of gave me a thread. You know, it was kind of like, mm. okay, now I have a thread that I can tie through this book, which was working with this community and seeing how it relates to my the tradition I was born into, the religion I was born into, which is Catholicism, and and yeah, that's that's how it kind of came to be. Pandemics and spirits and <laughs> quarantining, all that stuff.
1: The the length of it. I mean, mm. that, that's what I really, like one of my favorite things about it is like, you can, cause <laughs> so yeah. I, you see, like, like, you know, I think we both got the new Ram Das memoir and that comes in and you're like, whoo this is, I mean, hefty. And yeah, um, you know, again, beautiful to hear Ram Das's voice again, you can read it and it's, you know, so touching. Um, but this is like, you can get this and you can sit with it. And what I, what I like about it is you've laid it out in a way where you can sort of just. Read it front to back, and then you can go back to it and like just mm. flip open a page, and it's the gift of prophecy. And right here, I could read a little bit. Like you have a quote by Peter, and then you go into into a little talk and teaching on that. So right. it it doesn't feel daunting in, in a way.
2: Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, the other part I should say is that you know when I write a book or something, because you mentioned that I had made zines and stuff, um, I'm super visually oriented. So when I was writing this book my favorite books forever have always been these kind of pocket books, these pocket sized books, mm-hmm. you know, um, Autonomia and semiotics semi semiotext. Um, these publishing houses would just publish these radical sort of fringe writers and fringe topics, but they'd always come out in these small little like pulp, pulp fiction sized books. So I loved them um, and still do. And so I would, before I was, really was like, how long should this book be? I basically took a stack of those books, counted how many words were in each book and was like, (laughs) this feels like a book. You know, this, you know, I'd be like, well, this book's small, but I never thought of it as small. You know, it doesn't feel small, feels like a book. So I can write that, you know, I could do that in a couple months. So yeah, it was just like, it was kind of like a super DIY thing. It was like, I'm just going to write until I'm done. And I was done. And then I put a manifesto on the back and I just was like, that's it. That's the length. <laughs> but, and cool. people have been responding mm-hmm. like you have, you know, I've been really kind of appreciative that it wasn't like this
1: heavy duty, you know, tome. Yeah. And that, I think that's the, that again, is one of the beautiful things is if you're just um, starting to think about this stuff, it, you know, it's not like all, all of a sudden here, here's the manual, like plump. It. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like seeing Joe Biden's Bible. Yeah, you, know, you see, yeah, yes, like, yes, yes,
2: yes, yeah, yeah. No, I wanted it to be approachable, and you know, like I said, a lot of those books I'm into, and a lot of those kind of fringy religious books and spiritual books, they're like 80 pages, and I come back to them all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to like be a part of that world, it was like a little nod to that world,
1: yeah. When, when uh, I was thinking about, you know, us, us talking um, and thinking about Catholicism, right? And, you know, I, I was born also Catholic, you know, New Jersey, Italian. There and, are a lot of us. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny bringing, like, um, growing up like that, I just thought, catholic was the, the main thing i didn't realize that christianity was the main thing and that Same. catholics were and like saints were were kind of you know a far out thing to think about and now that i'm saying that out loud it makes sense in a certain way is why I'm, I'm so in love with some of the you know indian saints like mm-hmm. curly baba but anyway i, I was thinking about death and dying in the eyes of the modern day Catholic church versus mm, this realm of spirit where they're encouraging to to speak with spirit and it sounds like to be in some ways be comfortable around death Am, am i am i reading that right
2: hmm Yeah. You mean with the community that I was sitting with? Yeah. That yeah. World? Yeah. There's a, you know, Catholic, at first, I totally agree. When I grew up too, I, I didn't know, I, I, I didn't even consider myself Christian. Like I, that was like something else, you know, I didn't even know. It was just like, we were Catholic. <laughs> um, so it took later. I was like, oh, okay. We're part of this group, um, this larger group. But yeah, I mean, Catholicism Catholicism is like the, is often seen as the Roman Catholic Church, but that is one part of it. It's an it's extremely large part of it, but it is just one. Uh, and from that, you have all these interpretation, varying interpretations. Um, so in Latin America in particular, and in the Afro-Caribbean tradition, you have an appreciation of spirits or what happens after death or the lingering of spirits, um, and the ability to kind of cross between the ability for them to cross between their world and ours. So death is kind of seen differently. If you believe that to be true, then, then what death means will be different than if you believe that when you die, you go up to heaven and there's no relationship anymore. Mm. Um, so that's, a lot a lot I can't I can't say everything that I picked up from about spirits in that world comes from that, but it's it's a huge influence. you know it was hugely informative for me. Um, and these people, what was what's was very important to me was that these people considered themselves Catholics, many of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were like we're Catholics and we believe this also you know mm-hmm. And you see that with saints like Santa Muerte, you know, folk saints in general where the church, doesn't approve and maybe very vocally doesn't approve. These people still consider themselves Catholic because it's not just it's not like uh, I'm going to do yoga and that's something I'm going to choose to do. It's like it's your culture, you are a Catholic. It's like my mom always said, you're always going to be Catholic. It doesn't matter if you're Buddhist or whatever, you know all the different things I became as a kid. It's not like you choose it. It just is it. You know it's the foundation. So everything else builds off that. Or informs that or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's uh are you in touch with would you say you're in touch with your spirit? Is it like who's talking right now? Is it the spirit or the body?
2: Um, so the way I work is that, you know, I have a certain belief about where spirit like we have an internal spirit, there's the holy spirit, there's the internal spirit. Um and they communicate you know, depending, and your, your personal spirit can be quickened. Your spirit is like your motivations, your drives, your desires. Um, it's that kind of like when you, it's most easily understood when you think about someone who has a very, like uh, very high spirit or someone who's of low spirits, you can kind of get the sense of what you mean by that. Like someone low spirits, they're kind of like retracted and someone who's very bright or like active spirit is very active, mm-hmm. but that spirit is filtered through what's called the self. The self is the projected personality, so, which is a construction, right? So if your self is very permeable, then your spirit shows through very easily. If your self is very rigid, then that spirit gets kind of blocked and kind of it, it jars as it comes through. So those are people people who have very strict... Uh, robust senses of self that are very hemmed in or very controlled then you can feel that you it's hard to get through you know those it's just like hard to get inside you just feel like you're talking to like a personality the whole time mm. and then people who work with them with their self have a little more of a swinging door you know the self is important it needs to be there if your your spirit has no filter so your spirit isn't going to care If you are in high spirits and you're at someone's funeral, Mm -hmm. the spirit doesn't care, but yourself does. And for good Mm -hmm. reason. So yourself will kind of tone down the spirit a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have great, you hear great news in the morning. Your yourself knows to like dial it back when you're at somewhere that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, you know, my spirit is always speaking. Um, it's motivating the tone, the tenor, the, um, you know, the, the quality of, of what I'm talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like a motivator. It's a, it's a, it's a movement, you know, but it all has to come through myself. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I imagined this. um, I imagined your spirit the same as you inside of your mind talking into a microphone that then is going through your mouth and into another microphone it's very meta Mm -hmm.
2: yeah (laughs) yeah it's the self i see the self as like um like an amplifier and you can turn it up turn it down distort it make it clean put reverb on it whatever you want you know um so it'll change the quality of the of the of the spirit and of course there's the heart and all that too but yeah yeah
0: the, I'm gonna hit the pedal, the chaos pedal,
2: and sure, yeah, the fuzz, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, overdrive, whatever. Yeah, put it, put it all calls. on. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes just put it all on.
0: When was the first time you yeah. really heard that spirit coming through in yourself? When were you like, oh, there it is," or wait, what is this? This is outside of self.
2: Um, it's a good question. I mean, when I started to really distinguish, you know, for for many people and certainly for me, all of that was just very muddied. It was like I don't know, like I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm whatever. It's all just like kind of a mush ball, you know, mm-hmm. that you just sort of present to the world. So it really was like an, an uh, like an asp, um a practice of distinct learning to distinguish, you know, and get used to the idea that there's these distinct, these different motivations. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it really started just through reading. You know, I get a lot of my sort of uh, my motivation through reading other people's experiences and 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 listening to other people. And so we're going back many years now. You know, I remember reading Michael Singer's book that came out in like two hundred seven or something. So I must have picked it up around then. And you know, he really was great is great at making those distinctions between consciousness and self. Mm-hmm um, there was a really great book, um, called the way to the way of way to the kingdom. I think it's called a way of the kingdom. Um, that's an old book from the twenties that has been really important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. and that he also has a good take on the spirit. So that was, that gave me the intellectual side, you know, where I could be like, okay, I agree with this. The experiences started to come with quieting of the mind, meditation practices. Um, and then it really ramped up when I started hanging out with this community who don't necessarily interpret everything the way I do, but they definitely have an appreciation for the spirit as an as a entity, mm-hmm. usually discussed through and interacted with through dead people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Spirits mm-hmm. that are lingering, that are no longer attached to the body. Mm-hmm. So through all that, you know, it just starts the veils start lifting, you know, and things start becoming more clear and more distinguished. And, you know, then you have choice, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: choice to let the spirit go a little more, rein it in, whatever it calls for.
0: Freedom. It's beautiful.
2: Freedom through choice. Yeah. Which is ultimately the goal, I think.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Bob, one of the, one of the things um, I was listening to you on another podcast. That we were talking about, um, and our friend had shared an experience um, about a smell, um, uh-huh. and, it, and it and it triggered his right. mm-hmm. the sense of his grandmother. Yeah, and when when hearing that, I I had a, a memory from when I was I must have been like sixteen or seventeen. And my my grandfather, my pop-up, he had, he had um, already passed away. And I was sitting in, <laughs> I, I'm really excited to share this story, because it's a, it, there's a part of it that's a little foul. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in a pancake house in Lyndhurst, New Jersey, or Rutherford. Uh, is that
0: North the foul first. part? Or is that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's coming. <laughs> and, I, and I used to always go there with him. So I was sitting eating my pancakes, and I—I I had a cough. You know, I covered my mouth. I did a little cough, and here's the foul part: I had coughed up some strange, tiny little ball. It was not like phlegm because it was hard. It was like a—I don't know. It was—it was—it was like a miniature bouncy ball, only of something that came out of me. And you know, being like a 16-year-old, you know, I was like, what the fuck is this? So I like I squished it and smelled it. No, yeah. So that's the foul part. Yeah. I was overwhelmed now by this smell that brought me right back into my grandparents' house of the phone that yeah. smelled like that same thing from everyone talking into the phone. And I was just like overwhelmed with with my grandfather, just like, you know, in such a was the only way that I would connect those things as a young boy, right? Because I, I didn't, there there wasn't anything else, you know, at that moment that, that would have spoken to me so deeply. And hearing our friend Glenn t- talk about that story, it re- reminded me of, of of that story. One, I wanted to share it because you know it's you know fun, and. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the other thing that I have a hard time with sometimes I, I go back and forth is. And as I say this, I'm, I'm already, I'm already disagreeing with myself, but I'm going to say it anyway. When, when spirit has this personality or, or character of it, because so much of, of, how I think of you know, not that any of us know, but when when we drop our body, like Ram Dass says, when we leave our spacesuit. We merge back into the oneness. And so much of me, like the ego, th- this part of us hates that idea because it's really scary to not have anything to identify. So then I, I I I fight. I go back and forth. Is it just the ego wanting to relate spirit and character? like is how can the how can spirit have character if it's now again back into the oneness right it seems like we're we're here but then then spirit still can maintain characters characteristics and traits and all of that
2: well i mean i think the oneness ramdas speaks about isn't removed from here you know what i mean the other thing we see in ramdas ramdas's talks and stuff is that Maharaji was extremely active and proactive in his life, hmm. right? So even for Ramdas to talk about the spirit or the soul or whatever going back and merging, I mean, it was like a daily thing for him, you know, however frequent it was that, that Neem Krali Baba was proactively engaged in his life you know and and people who who might be reading this book now will come across all those instances where he refers to oh, that was neem Curly baba that was neem Curly baba that was neem Curly yeah. baba you know so you know what i take from that is that yeah merging into the oneness sure but where is the oneness except here you know what i mean and we, this this plane has a certain way of organizing the ethereal you know, I mean, everything is ethereal. You know, this cup is at its most re- refined is not really here. You know, it's split and, you know, it's just things vibrating at a certain rate and all this kind of stuff, you know. But it manifests as form, you know. And I think spirit, you know, I'm kind of riffing here, but this is how I understand it. You know, that spirit, spirit, when we experience spirit as more, interpersonal like what you're saying you know where it has a bit of a quality or a character to it it's kind of an, an um a a moment in time when that is kind of coalescing you know that that diffuse matter is kind of coalescing and it's like oh here it is i smell this i see this i heard this and then it kind of you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah i think i think it's important for all of us you know to remember that that merging doesn't isn't out somewhere else emerging it's all around you know mm-hmm. um, at least that's how i understand it so that's how i kind of interpret that because i have and and just to your point like i understand the resistance that you have towards that i mean i have similar resistances i definitely go back and forth um like why would a why would a spirit why would us spirit why would spirit in general all of a sudden be like a quarter on the ground that like was the Mm -hmm. date my grandmother died or something you know what i mean like why even bother (laughs) it seems like petty and it's like who knows i don't know you know what i mean it's if if we're not so distinct from that realm anyway then it's all just kind of play Mm -hmm. you know our mind creating that memory our mind creating that connection is also part of that and is that less valid i don't i don't think so you know it's like the placebo effect. Like, in this culture, if you got, if you were healed through a placebo, it's considered not authentic. And it's like, but you got healed.
1: And you got healed, right? So <laughs> what?
2: What? You know what I mean? It, it, it's people want it to be like, well, it's not real. It didn't work. You just healed. It's like I don't know. Does the shaman actually take out the demon? Or does the shaman just create the conditions whereby you feel safe enough to let the demon go? Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, a lot lot going on. We don't fully get, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I just, I wanted to hear your take on that because you know, the same thing, you have these, these moments of time where something talks to you and it's, it's so certain. And then, you know, the conceptual mind or, you know, whatever, the belief that you have, the, the oneness again, we get lost here and there's the doubt, right? How can that be? How can that be?
2: Sure. Yeah. And yet the, the Taoists are some of the most, you know, ritual oriented people there are. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's It's like Choigam Trungpa, you know, talking about it's absolutely ridiculous that we're sitting here on a meditation cushion because it's well beyond this, but you have to do something, mm. you know? Um, so I, I often kind of try to remember that, that like, we're humans, we do things, you know, and we think things. So, yeah, right. you know, it's going to manifest that way.
0: Mm. Um, I can imagine if there are uh, Catholics watching this podcast or listening, that they're sharpening, sharpening their pitchforks at the idea that it sounds like you kind of just said that heaven is here right now.
2: Mm. Well, I mean, Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven is within you you know, pretty clearly. It says, it depends how you interpret the word entos, but he, he, some Bibles translated as in our midst, meaning all around us. And if you use the literal translation, it means within us. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I mean, they sharpened their pitchforks then as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that I've ever read ever where it talks about heaven being somewhere else. In fact, Jesus talks exp- Explicitly about it not being somewhere else. Mm. He says, "If it's if you think it's there, if you think it's there, you're going to be lost. You know, it's all around you, or mm. it's within uh, you, however you determine it. I mean, that's that's no uncertain terms what he says. So, okay. yeah, you know, it I
1: reminds uh, me of of that Kabir poem, right? Where you think you'll find God in the shrine rooms and the stupas and mm-hmm. the temples, you, know, you think you'll find God eating nothing but vegetables. You're all wrong."
2: mm-hmm yeah
1: god the breath within the breath
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah the kingdom of god is is a fascinating meditation all the parables around that because it's all about process you know, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, it's like the kingdom of God is like a woman carrying a sack of flour where there's yeast and the yeast infects all the flour, ferments all the flour, you know? Or the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that is planted, it's the smallest seeds, and then it grows up in a tree and all the birds hang out on it. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like these aren't places, these are processes, you know?
0: And meanwhile, so, humans yeah. are like, wait, so... Where do I get this? How often do I have to water the seeds? Tell me exactly yeah. how many times a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. I
2: mean, yeah, it's a it doesn't sound like a bad deal. So right. I'd want to know that too, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> there's a focus on other parts.
0: So what is the, you know, when it comes down to it, the process of dropping the body, as they say, when it comes to, you know, I'm hearing that your your work is combining um, quite a few different philosophies and traditions that, um, to me, feel if taken literally, feel really at odds with one another, or at minimum, in modern day society, uh, the way that they've been interpreted now, they feel at odds with one another. Um, so, where do you reconcile all of these different schools of thought? I, you know,
2: I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have
0: to because the
2: only, the only people who have a problem with that are the people who are in charge of maintaining the structures. So, you know, you go to India and they're perfectly fine with Jesus being an avatar of Vishnu. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you go to a spirit gathering, spirit circle, and they're perfectly fine with, um, you know, the dead showing up. You know what I mean? So it's like the people typically don't have a problem. The the people have more of a problem the more they identify with the larger structure or the centralized power source. So, but the less they do, the less they care. You know what I mean? So I just happen to be informed by a lot of spiritual traditions because as Catholics, Christians, whatever, those of us who grew up in that uh, tradition, many of us had to leave to come back because it was too icky to yeah. put it scientifically. Um, you know, you needed to like clear your eyes a little bit to come back and be like, okay, wait, what's going on here now? You know what I mean? Um, and the people that I talk to and the students that I have in the classes with that we where we talk about this stuff, that's always the case. You had to go out, come back, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's no real problem when you do that, you know, because you see, you've seen enough. You know?
1: Yeah, just even saying the word God in front of certain people if you haven't left explored and you know, decided to take the power back, you, like you're saying from from who's already taken that word from us mm-hmm. and defined it on on your terms yeah and um, it re- it kind of reminds me uh, that Rumi I'm gonna butcher it but that Rumi quote of there are as many paths to God as there are mm-hmm. breaths for animals on this mm-hmm. planet mm-hmm. you know and like I was thinking about that just the other day and it's like woof in some ways like what a beautiful what a beautiful way to look like ev- every animal and every breath is just right there, connected with God, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that they're doing. Some just live more of their life in service of God and surrender of God. And others are are completely in some ways, godless. That doesn't make them any less holy, any less spiritual in in Mm -hmm. some ways, any less of a spirit. But Mm -hmm. it sounds like what you would say is maybe very much the, the, the shell of the self, right? Not maybe self with a capital S, but like the self that you want to identify with.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Pope Francis um, recently—I don't know, recently—but in the past couple of years, he there's a great video of him talking to a child, and the child is like doing interview, like you know, uh, they have a group and people ask questions of him, um, and this little kid was really upset. And crying because his father died, but his father died as an atheist, you know, but he always taught me to go to, you know, help me go to church and let me do all the things I wanted to. But my dad died an atheist, you know, is, does God like him? <laughs> you know, whatever kid oh. language he used. And the Pope, you know, um, he very, uh, you know, is crying a little bit, tearing up about this. And he, he, his take was, it's harder for that, for the father, the atheist father, to teach the child about God, than it is for the God-loving person to teach the child about God. So I, he, his take was, I can't imagine that God wouldn't think of that highly because it's more difficult for the non-believer, you know, to appreciate things than it is for the believer. So, yeah, there's all sorts of loopholes, you know, and there were ways of looking at it, and workarounds and interpretations on like who's a part of this community, you know, which is anyone. You know, yeah. anyone. It may not look the same, but um, but yeah, and you know, as you're talking about Rumi, you know, whenever I think of Rumi and I think of poems like that, you know, I remember that Rumi was still a Muslim. You know what I mean? He's mm. still identified as a Muslim. And um you know, because methods are important. You know, humans, humans like we make roads, we make paths you know, we like to have some sort of way to walk, you know, it doesn't mean you have to identify and completely attach with it and never let it go, but their help, they can be helpful.
1: Yeah. You know, you yeah. Right. Way. And and so much of what Neem Krali Baba, you know, the path of the heart, he never really taught anything. So, so many of, of um, these devotees, you know, had to, do other things because they needed some kind of practice, Mm -hmm. right? Like Bhagavan Das, he would say like, you know, I had to find, you know, some tantric path because I needed to do something I needed, you know, you know, that's a whole other thing.
2: (laughs) Yeah. We Um, like humans like rites of passage. I mean, this goes to pre-civilization as well. You know, that it's not, I don't think it's a fault. I just think it's a method. It's a, it's a, it's what we do. It's Mm -hmm. just how we identify with them that becomes kind of the problem or problematic. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's easy to get lost on the, on the path. I've always found that for myself, when I'm really in the, in the depths of a, of a spiritual, um, moment of, of wrestling with myself, eventually I come back to where I started, but it seems, you know, like I'm looking at it from a different angle or something, but I really haven't gone anywhere. It's just, I've walked in a giant circle and then I've come back and I'm like, Oh, I'm here again, but it feels good this time. And yeah, there's something about just to be, to be human is to walk in the circle and then arrive back to where we started. um, Mm -hmm. For the, for the reason I think that you're talking about, which is the process is important.
2: Yeah. The process is important. You know, the, it's kind of like a spiral, you know, my, my therapist often talks about it as a spiral. I always like to quote her on that mm-hmm. um, because you return back, but you don't, you're not the same. You know what I mean? You're removed from it. So you have different vision, but you're still at the same, you come back to a similar point, you know, but with new vision and then you do it again and mm-hmm. then you do it again. Um, and you just kind of keep spiraling that way or whatever way. You yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know.
0: Well, I have a burning question. I think we've all been mm. pondering since the since the mid-aughts. And uh, that is, are we human or are we dancer? Human or dancer? Nobody got the Killers reference. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, never listened to the, I never listened to the Killers. <laughs> I think by the early aughts, I was like only listening to Dub at that point. <laughs> Which happens if you get into Dub, you like you drop skate. everything
0: else. <laughs> You escaped. Nice job. (laughs) Well,
1: I I I have uh, you know maybe maybe one more question reflection. Um, I'm I'm thinking just a little bit about people that might might have lost someone and and they're they're you know grieving and i am not sure what the question is but i'm just thinking of like the process of you know like because you you do have in in your book um practices right Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. right you say like hearing and listening breathing practices you know witness meditation um, Mm -hmm. things like asking questions i i'm I'm wondering if maybe if you can speak just a little bit to like those those people that are in this process of grieving to s- start them um with a little bit of of either guidance or inspiration to have a healthy relationship and, and connection to to spirit.
2: Sure. Yeah, I can tell you what was taught to me um was that when someone dies, someone close to you or not, whoever, but if you're if it's someone close to you that you're going to be thinking about and wondering about, then this applies more so. Um you know, give them time. You give them time to make that transition. Um so you don't contact them, you don't like bother them. <laughs> you know, they they have a process that's of their own, you know, that they need to go through. So uh you know, it was around like three months um, of just kind of letting them, you know, I made a little space for my mom died. Um, what would have been just about two years ago uh, and uh, one and a half years. And
1: uh, What's what's mom's name?
2: Anne. Yeah. Cool. Anne. Nice. Uh, so Anne passed away and, you know, I was told to, you know, make a space and I had certain things I had to put in that space, but to give her time to just make that transition. And I did that and I can say, for anyone who's listening or watching who who's in this process that who, who's recently lost someone that they may feel very, very far, you know, for a while because they kind of are, you know, um, they're transitioning, you know, into that whole idea of like merging back isn't like just you know, it's like, you know, it's it's a kind of a big deal. So, so, you know, there's a lot of like checks and balances, I guess they have to take care of. But, you know, there are stages, so give them time to do that. And then after a certain amount of time has passed, you know, to then begin to engage with that memory, with that spirit, if that's something you resonate with. Um, and you can do that through lighting candles i mean I, I lit a candle the whole time that's part of that guidance back but you want to you want to you want to engage with them in a way that is natural to the condition they are in right so they are leaving their body so you i believe you don't want to keep trying to bring them back into their body or back into the world right Mm. you know let them be there but then your relationship changed now what would your what's your relationship to wind you know what i mean what's your relationship to air like what's your relationship to water like because they're more like wind air and water than they are like you and i you know Mm. so that's why some of those practices in there in fact all of none i'm sorry none of them are about like how to contact your dead grandmother you know because it's not about that. It's about what does it feel like to be around water? Because that's gonna inform what that relationship's gonna feel like more so. What's it, what's it feel like to be around wind? You know, what does that sound like? Because that's what they're like. At least that's what, in terms we can understand, that's more like what they are, you know? Yeah. Um, so the more you know about that, the more you know about what it feels like to be around mom, you know? I love that. Um, yeah
1: wow cool bob sure i love that taking it back it's like such a beautiful earth practice mm. you know yeah so it is earth this, it's earth practice it's so beautiful and and practical
2: right
1: mm. you know and, yeah. and you go outside stand in the dirt you know? so yeah. cool Sweet, Bob. I really appreciate you taking time to talk with us. Um, Absolutely. We can go on and on, but for for most people, an hour is about <laughs> how how far we can sit. Um, just really quick, uh, anything you have coming up, your Instagram promos, hype man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if- in there.
2: If people want to follow me on Instagram, that's where I post most of my stuff, like what's coming up. So that's uh, called new old traditions. Um, there's a newsletter people can sign up with. That's just a link in the bio, um, which just gives more information you know, on that stuff. Um, and it's where I also post more long form kind of discussions on these things. But yeah, I have classes. I I teach a class. I have an ongoing class that's going on right now called engaging the Christ tradition. So it's like for people who are like trying to wrestle with this Mm -hmm. stuff, these, this religion and like where finding only closed doors, we're like looking sort of unpacking major themes so that people can find doors in if they want to. Um, And so we look at spirits and, and the kinds of things we're talking about here um, I have a class coming up on discernment of spirits. Um, that'll be another online one. I'm constantly, I love yeah. teaching. I love it. I've been teaching since I was young. So it's, it's something I really enjoy doing. And I love creating yeah. classes. And,
1: and and you're such a great speaker and, and teacher and facilitator and, mm. and, yeah, real inspiration. And I'm, Thank I'm you. glad that we met um, many years ago. When, Me too. When we did um please at a club at a rock <laughs> sh-
2: at a rock show i think
1: i i think you might be right i forget yeah. who it was though
2: i think it was like Santee speaking Paro
1: of which i know i know we're gonna um wrap this up in a second i just remembered as you mm-hmm. said that i you, i had this this we, we my dream last night was just me getting ready to like talk with you and like we were talking in our dream there were wolves that were happening and you also were writing a book bob and it said something uh, the title was something like it's not just because you're tall and it, ha- it was it was talking it was about tall. you you are directly talking to people who put themselves in places where they're not part of the the they look the same way like what i was thinking of is western people just going to india and being western people instead of trying to like fit in and just go under the radar and blaming it on the fact that they were they were tall instead of uh, trying to adapt to the situations. I have no idea. I, I, I just remembered I wanted to share that with you. We can talk right. offline about it.
2: I will say uh, it's very strange you mentioned that because I don't remember if it was a dream or something I was thinking about very early this morning while I was still in bed, but I was, was thinking very strongly about uh, height um, and short and tall people. I think it might've been right before I went to bed last night or something. Uh, It's really bizarre that you mentioned that because and it was connected to nothing. I wasn't, it wasn't like thinking about height. It was just, I kept having this image of like a very, like very distinct. That's really, I mean, that's (laughs) what I'm talking about. I mean, that is no lie. I mean, like I, I only remembering it as you say it, I remember thinking about that.
0: So Again, uh, or after I slept.
1: <laughs>
2: That's
0: amazing. Right so
2: wild. I mean, it's still <laughs> it's still weird to me. I mean, it's still weird to me.
1: Uh, I get it. I'll, I'll think more about about this dream and, and yeah. talk offline. Bob, thanks a lot. Tom, yeah. love you, man.
0: Thank you so nice much. Nice meeting Bob you, Tom. Nice, man. thank you so much. And
2: uh yeah, thanks for having me.
1: I'm so Thanks excited. everyone for joining. Appreciate you all.
0: Yeah. See you next time.
1: Great. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Bob, so much for sharing your wisdom. Check out Bob's book, Sitting with Spirits. You can buy it pretty much anywhere at this point. Next week, we have Adriana Rizzolo. She is a dear friend of mine and I'm super excited to talk with her on this show. Uh, In Adriana's talk, we get into grief and really sitting with our wounds and going into our deep sadness as a way to live alive, live fully and being embodied being. So please check that out. If you have any questions or comments, you can send us an email at ondeathpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to, it'd be great for you to like and subscribe to our podcast and even write a
0: review. That really helps us. Tom,
1: Mm -hmm. you want to take us away for the day?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So taking in all of that wisdom from Bob today and finding our breath in our body, maybe even closing the eyes for just a moment, and as the breath leaves, your body just feeling it empty. And this is death. And then as the next breath comes in, feeling that aliveness in your cells. Oh, you got another one. Congratulations. And this is life. And we'll see you next time on death.